today. Speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, man, you look brand new. Got a video I want you to watch as we begin the service today. My life was so meaningless. I searched for anything that would give me purpose. Drinking made me feel better. That only led to more bad decisions and it cost me more than I ever imagined. But someone saw more in me than I did. My friend took me to church one day and it changed me. I'm permanently marked. I'm now changed forever. Christ made me new. Permanently marked. I am changed forever. Christ made me new. That's awesome, isn't it? Awesome to think about. For the next three Sundays, we're going to talk about that. How many of you at some point in your life would say you've been dissatisfied with your behavior? At some point in your life, you've been dissatisfied with your behavior. Oh, every day, okay. Maybe you don't like the way you've acted or just get dissatisfied with yourself. I don't know about you, but maybe you find yourself yelling at your kids. If you've got them, you yell at them. And you know you shouldn't do that, but you do it anyway. The scenario goes like this. You've got a, one of the kids yelling at the other brother or sister, and they start to yell back, and then the other ones that are in the house start to yell it. They take sides and start yelling for the other ones, and then pretty soon they're all yelling. And then you step up and you say, Stop yelling! We don't talk like that in this house! To which your wife then looks at you and laughs because you're behaving just like you told them not to, right? I don't know if that's, any of you, is that familiar at your place? Okay. All right. Every day I think somebody's. <laughs> but we wonder why we're like that. Why are we seem to be caught up in some of the same old patterns that we've been caught up in for a long, long time? I mean, didn't Christ set us free from those? Aren't we new? I mean, our scripture we read this morning is out of 2 Corinthians 5, 17. We're a new creation. Yeah, I mean, I, I try to be a religious person, you might say. Religious behavior may make you nice, but only Christ can make you new. Religious behavior may make you nice, but only Christ can make you new. In fact, when we follow Christ truly, we're not just better, we're brand new. Now let's go look at that verse again, 2 Corinthians 5, and I want to add verse 16 to it, 16 and 17. Paul says, at one time we thought of Christ merely from what? From a human point of view. That's where a lot of you are right now today. You're thinking about Christ from a human point of view. 
you're probably saying, well, you know, he was a great teacher, he was a moral leader, real nice person, said some, said some really interesting things. But you're looking at him from a human point of view. But he goes on to say, in verse 17, how differently we know him now. In verse 17 he says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, they've become a new person. The old has gone, and what does it say? A new life has, be- has begun. A new life has begun. Notice he doesn't say anyone who believes in Christ because it's easy to believe. The demons even believe and they they tremble, the Bible says. But anyone who belongs to him and fully surrenders to him isn't just better, but they're new. They're brand new. I love to meet brand new babies. Why is that? Because they're so new. They don't, they don't have any. They, you know, I mean, they just eat, poop, sleep. And somebody takes care of all of it. And you get older, you got to do it yourself. That's not right. That's not right. Ever went to a high school or a college reunion? I've never been to one. Uh, I'm afraid to go back to them. Some people just, they, they, they want to, I don't, I, I just never have. Usually, especially the high school reunions, it was during the summer when I was a youth pastor, I was at church camp anyway, so it didn't matter. But maybe you've gone to one and you run on to somebody who hadn't seen you in a long, long time and they say, is that you? Is that really you, the guy that I knew in college or high school? And you know what, the best answer is no, I'm not the same person. I met Jesus Christ some time ago and my, I'm just altogether different. Because they may have known you as that wild child in high school. And some of you told me about your past, and I, they'd probably be right. But the good news is Jesus found you, or you found him. And the good news is you're not the same. You're altogether different. And so this morning what I want to do is I want to share some stories that I've come across. And these stories are from preachers' perspectives in the churches where they minister. And these are great stories. I believe that you and I will, well, I know I did, I know, and I believe that you're going to identify with these stories and how special they are and what they can mean to us. And so the first one I want to start off with comes out of a church in Henderson, Tennessee, and the title, title of the little uh, message is Everyone is Welcome. And so the preacher starts out by saying, I want to tell you a story that started on July 4th of 2010 when Mike and Marianne Lovely and their daughter Michelle walked through the doors of our church for the first time. They quickly found me and asked if it was going to be a problem for their daughter to be at church and would she be welcomed at at this church. And the reason was is that their daughter was seven months pregnant but not married. And so the preacher said he had quickly assured them that everyone in, is welcome at our church. They didn't really know how to take that, but they came anyway. A few weeks into their story, Michelle raised her hand to give her life to Christ right there at the church. Fast forward a few weeks and Michelle began to get really connected at the church and everyone reached out and loved her as one of their own. 
A couple of months after that, Michelle gave birth to her son Ian, and Ian was a crowd favorite here at the church. Big blonde, big old blonde hair, and everybody loved Ian. The part of the story about this story is Michelle was baptized here a few months after giving her life to Christ at our church. And a few months after that, she met her husband to be a great young man that's in the military. And I was privileged enough to marry them here at our church. And that brought about some sad news that we were going to have to say goodbye to Michelle and Ian as they embarked on their new journey out to a military base in Colorado. But the story doesn't stop there. It gets better. What God had begun in Michelle here at our church continued today. Even just a few weeks ago, her story continues here at our church. You see, Michelle got so excited about what God had called her to do that she began to use the Internet and leverage the technology available through our church's resource, resources online that she led her friends through their own life-changing experience. Then after that, she was able to use our church's online resources as a platform and a tool to invite her friends to come to our church in Henderson, Tennessee, Hendersonville, Tennessee. They walked through the doors for the first time. They gave their life to Christ. And now they've signed up to serve in our kids' ministry. And the best part is Michelle has now accepted a youth position on the Air Force Base where she's ministering to students each and every week. And the deal is everyone is welcome at our church and everyone has a story that God wants to use. Now, I just, I just love that story, don't you? I just love it. You've got this young lady who's not even sure if she's going to be welcomed at the church. But finds this little church in Tennessee and welcomes her and welcomes everybody and they throw their arms wide open. They help this young lady and her parents feel loved and the girl's life becomes totally committed. And now she's serving God, ministering to kids, which is really, truly, truly phenomenal. In fact, Jesus was very passionate about that kind of welcoming attitude. In Luke chapter 14, we find a very interesting statement that Jesus makes. He says, when you're throwing a banquet or a party, don't just invite the rich people and don't just invite the popular people and your friends and your relatives and those who can pay you back. And then he says in verse 13, but when you give a banquet, you should invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. And when you do that, what's going to happen? You'll be blessed. You'll be blessed. What I love about Jesus is he often invited those who were often overlooked. Would he invite you if he ran onto you in the streets of Jinx, America? Would he invite you to come to church? Would he invite you to join him? Do you consider yourself to be an overlooked person? Or do you, do you feel like you're the person in the know and you're the person that has it all together? He invited those that the religious people would look down on. And Jesus would say, it doesn't matter where you've come from or what you look like, everybody is welcome. And I'm praying and I believe that River Oaks is that kind of church. We'll love you. Come on in here. We've seen a number of them come. And they've had a lot of baggage when they come in. Amen? <laughs> they have. But we love them anyway. Doesn't matter. If they have a big wart on their nose, we'll still love them. Amen? If they're losing their hair because of low B12 in their life, <laughs> you'll still love us. I'm, I'm almost ready to catch up with Tyler over here. So, 
Chrissy's dad is the preacher in Thayer, Kansas, and he challenged them to, during VBS to raise $1,000 for a mission trip that the church is going to take, and they exceeded it. So he shaved his head completely bald. <laughs> I said, Chrissy, you should do the same thing. <laughs> that didn't go over too well. But anyway, it was, it was a good idea. But you know, people come in with doubts and questions, don't they? Come in with fears and insecurities. I remember Ellen, Eileen, I mean Eileen Combs. Remember Eileen? Some of you might remember Eileen. She came here. She was hurt. Husband had left her. Children were grown. Church that she had been a part of kind of disowned her. And she came over here because I, I had made a relationship with her and her husband over the years. Her their kids about the age of our kids. And uh, anyway, she decided to come give us a try. And I never will forget, she stood up and testified in front of you before she moved to Texas. She stood up and testified of how you've restored in her the love of God. That was you. You did that. How'd you do that? By accepting her. That's it. By just opening your arms to her. That's what we need to do all the time. To anybody and everybody. Because you see, darkness follows us. Sins create struggles. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter if you've got a lot of money or no money at all. It doesn't matter if you've got a lot of hair <laughs> or no hair or purple hair or you've got piercings and I, I, or tattoos. And I, start, I thought I knew when I showed the video and the guy getting a tattoo in his arm, some of you go, oh my goodness, what's he doing? It doesn't matter, does it? It really doesn't matter. Because Jesus will love us no matter what we look like, no matter who we are, and no matter what we've done. I don't care if you've got nice clothes or not so nice clothes, as long as you wear clothes. <laughs> That's, if we have a dress code here, it's yes, you must wear clothes. <laughs> Let me share with you another story, and it's called A New Marriage. It comes out of a church in Fort Worth, Texas. It's about a preacher. I pick up where the preacher tells the story, says, this story's about Bruce and Tracy. They have an incredible family, and I'll never forget the first weekend they, they came. Their son, Bruce Jr., committed his life to Christ, and then he was scheduled to be baptized, and their daughter, Ariana, and Tracy, and Tracy's sister were also baptized. And God was doing great things, but unfortunately, along the way, Bruce and Tracy began to have marriage problems, and unfortunately, felt that their only solution was to get a divorce. So they divorced. But after that, they continued to attend each and every week, but did it separately. God began to work in their life individually, and I, I preached a series from this day forward that God did something powerful in their lives, and I want everyone to hear their story. And here's what Bruce said. Well, from this, from this day forward made a huge impact on our relationship and our lives, and it was through every message in that series that God began to do something powerful in and through us, from fighting fair to having fun, staying pure, and never giving up. But I'll never forget the first week, seeking God. I just began to think back how we sought God separately and we began to learn that we would have to seek God together to have a successful marriage. And our lives were changed at that point. And his wife Tracy picks up and she says, the enemy is put in place to destroy and he thought he had us, but we won. And we won the battle and we were made new. The pastor goes back to the conversation. He says, that's really, really good. 
And you know that, guys, we are so excited and looking forward to celebrating this big day coming up when the two of you are getting remarried. God is so good, the preacher said. Well, you know, we can celebrate with Bruce and Tracy, can't we? That's a great story to think about. It's exciting to see God bringing marriages back together. I've seen it. I've seen it in this church. I've seen some some folks that are really ready to... <laughs> one of them's not going to come out alive. But they somehow, they somehow are able to bury that. And they somehow, through the power and the grace of God, figure it out. I contend that if you will put one hand on the cross of Christ, then you can slap each other with the other hand. Because you'll always have an anchor point. Amen. Don't turn loose of Christ. Don't turn loose of the cross. And great things will happen. You might right now be in a place in your life where you're kind of like they were. Feel like you're hitting a dead end and you see no way to get through it. Isaiah 43 and verse 19 I hope speaks to you. God says, see I'm, I'm doing a new thing. Goes on to say, now it springs up, do, not, do, do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. <coughs> Some of you, you need a new thing right now in your faith, or you need a new thing in your relationship, or you need God's new thing in your finances. Maybe you need a new healing in your body. And I just believe that we serve a God that when everyone else says, There is no way our God can make a way. Sometimes you see a door that's been closed and you don't see a door to go through beyond that closed door. But we serve a God who can make a door. We serve a God who can make, when there is no other way, a way. He's taking lives like Bruce and Tracy when their marriages are falling apart and miraculously bringing them back together when they couldn't even see it and others around them couldn't even see a way for them to do that. <coughs> and the next story I want to share with you is called The Power of an Invitation. It comes out of a church here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Preacher, let me pick up where he starts. He says, the story I have to share really just tells the chain reaction of life change that happens when folks simply invite others to church. I want to share a story about the Abbott family. They got a six-year-old girl named Emma Mae Grace who got baptized at our church. And the amazing thing is she invited over 50 people to come watch her publicly proclaim that God is do- what God has done in her life. And the amazing thing is that 40 of them showed up. <laughs> and of those 40, there was a couple who had been uh, disengaged from church for a long time but decided to come, loved it so much, they became regular attenders. They liked it so much they invited their parents to come. Their parents had also become disenchanted with church. And because they heard some good things about the church, they decided to come and give it a shot. Fell in love with it and started coming consistently. These parents then invited their other daughter to attend, so she came with her son. And when they showed up, their lives were changed and they were part of the next baptism service, inviting their circle of friends. And that chain reaction of life change continued all because this little girl invited folks to her church. And the best way for me to sum this up is the end of the email that Emma's dad sent to me. And here's what he said. There really is no 
way to know how many lives have been or will be affected because a six-year-old was obedient and shared openly about her faith. The only thing I am sure of is how it changed the faith and commitments of her dad. I see the power of something as simple as asking someone to church and how much of an impact that can make in the lives of so many. Wow. The power of an invitation. I want you to think about that for a minute. A six-year-old girl gets 40 people to come to church. So I guess the next question is, what's our excuse? What's our excuse? Well, I ask people, like Sam said, I ask people all the time. They just don't come. Keep asking. Don't stop. Sometimes they'll come just to get you to quit asking. And they might just absolutely fall in love with God. It all depends on how we receive them, isn't it? How are they received when they walk in the door? Do we turn away from them? Do we at least go up and say hello to them? Well, I don't know who they are. Good, go introduce yourself. My name is Harold and your name is? You be the first. You be the first to extend your hand if you don't know who they are. They may have been coming here for a long time. That's fine. Still extend your hand to them and tell them your name and encourage them. And say, hey, I like to hug. Do you mind give me giving you a hug? And give them a hug. Ask permission because most people, some people may not like you to give them a hug. They may have a physical limitation that causes you not to be able to give them a hug. But give them a hug. It won't hurt. It won't hurt at all. The power of this is found in John chapter 1, verses 45 and 46. Philip finds Nathanael and he says, We found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. In other words, for decades they were looking for Jesus, this one. And then we believe we've actually found him. One guy says, Nazareth? Nazareth? That hole in the wall? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Jinx? Can anything good come out of Jinx? They can't even get their water cleaned up over there. I love what Cindy said when she read the article about the water contamination. She goes, you mean a dog pooped by where they got the water and that made E. coli? I said, well, it could have been. Who knows? Who knows? But Philip, he simply responded. And I love how Philip responded. He says, come and see. Just come check it out. Come over and take a look for yourself. And that's what I love about people who invite others to church. You invite them to come take a look. Don't, don't encourage them for commitment. Just tell them to come take a look. Come take a look. We've got this fabulous preacher. You need to come and hear him. What brag on me? Come on. Say, well, when he sings, it's really good. I got you. But bring, you see what I'm saying? Say, we've got some of the most wonderful people in the world. Come and let them, let them love on you. We're a praying church. We love to pray for you. Come and let us pray for you. Well, you just never know. But come and see, come and see what God is doing in this place. Why don't we begin to talk that way as a church? Oh, there's plenty of negatives. There's plenty of 
plenty of, of down things we can say. But why don't we start saying the good things? Why don't we give that a try? You see, if a husband and wife are having struggles, it doesn't put them back together any deeper if they nitpick at each other. Amen? If you can keep nitpicking all you want, you can push every button in you want, and it's not going to cause that marriage to get any stronger. But if you begin to look at each other and, and share compliments, and you look at each other and share great things, if you look at each other and say, Whoo! I'm in love with you more today than I've ever been. Ow! Good things could happen. I mean, now your wife, fellas, she may, she may kill over from a heart attack because you don't talk to her like that. Not anymore. Hey, it'd be a good time to start. Tell her how beautiful she is. Bring her some flowers. Bring her some chocolates. That goes over big at my house. Diamonds and chocolates trump flowers any day. Last story. Born Again is the title of the story. comes from a church out of Midwest City, Oklahoma. Preacher. Let me pick up where the preacher started. He said, Christina, she's the wife. She came to the church one day. Man, she was in a desperate place. She came in and sat down with myself and one of our staff members and just poured her heart out. She was in a dark place with her husband. Her husband was in the military and he was suffering from post-traumatic stress. And it was really affecting their marriage and really just their family as a whole, he said. She didn't know where else to go, but she, she saw the church and said, I've got to go there and talk to the pastor, and she did. And we were able to pray with her and just encourage her, and really what we did is just told her, you, you just got to start coming to church and bring your family. Bring your family here. And so, you know what? She did that. Every Sunday she would come to church and bring her family, and they started coming together, and little by little we started seeing something happen inside of them. Their face changed their countenance changed and God was doing something and they got into a small group they started getting plugged into the church and one Sunday night she emailed me and I'd like to share the email with you it says hello pastor this is Christina I wanted to thank you again for all your words you tell everyone at church we're so blessed to be a part of our church my husband since the day I went there the day that I talked to you and I did not know what to do remember that day it's been a miracle for us Michael is another person. He is so thankful that I am by his side as his wife and thankful that I asked for help. Now since we met God, our life is better. It's, it's beautiful, happier. There's no more I want a divorce. There's no more fights, no more hate. He likes to go to church every Sunday. He likes to go because he feels peace, love, and security. And since then, he hasn't had those bad thoughts that he wanted to kill himself again. God has answered our prayers, and I just can't find the right words to express how thankful and how happy I am because we trusted God, and he was there all the time. And we're still asking for favors, and he has showed that with, with him, we can do everything. Our faith is so big like his furious love for us. I'm working from home now, and I'm starting to give my 10% back to him. I can't believe how nice God is. I don't know how I can write my story, and you can share it with more people, because God is real, and he helped us with a very difficult time. And since we gave our life to him, I feel that we are new people, a new us. It feels like we were born again. Thank you for everything, Pastor. I hope you and your family are doing well. Isn't that a great story? I love it. I love it. And in her email, she says, I can't believe how nice God is. <laughs> we have a nice God that loves us, don't we? 
We have a nice God that hears us. We have a nice God that wants to respond to us. And we feel like we're new people, she said. We, we feel like we're born again. You know, that's a phrase from the Bible. Being born again. Great story about a Pharisee named Nicodemus. He behaved well and was part of a group that followed 613 commandments. But he went under the cover of night to see Jesus. Some have said this is where we get the phrase Nick at night. Uh, from, but I'm not sure that's true. But anyway, he went to see Jesus and he says, Sorry, we know you got to be from God. You have to be. And Jesus replies in John chapter 3 and verse 3, He says, Very, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless, unless they're born again. Nicodemus asked back to him, well, how can someone be born when they're old? Surely they can't enter a second time to their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus' answer in verse 5, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they be born of water. That's baptism. And the Spirit, that's the spiritual new birth. Flesh gives birth to flesh. So in other words, that's what we do. We get married and boom, we have kids. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You can be born physically. You can also be born anew spiritually from God. And Jesus goes on in verse 7. He says, you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. What I love about God is that he's not trying to give us a better life or trying to help us improve our lives, but he truly does give us a better life, an improved life. He's not asking you to turn over a new leaf, but through Christ to experience a new life. He wants you to have it. He wants you to experience it and He wants you to live it. Religious behavior can make you nice, but Christ can make you new. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that in Your presence that Your Spirit would do a renewing work in our hearts. As we're praying today, I know a lot of you right now, you're facing some significant trials. Maybe you're like Bruce and Tracy or others that you're facing something and you might be saying, boy, I need my faith renewed. I need my strength renewed. I need my hope renewed. I believe that when we don't see a way that God can make a way, perhaps you're one of those and you would just simply say, boy, I really do. I really do need God's power and His presence. I need Him to do what." I can't do myself. I need His renewing goodness in my life right now. I need a touch from Him. God, for those, I would pray that Your Spirit would be a healing and a renewing work. God, I, that we've, we've lost faith and maybe looking at the circumstances instead of looking at You, would You renew that faith, O oh God? God, where we're losing hope, I pray You will renew hope. God, in those relationships that are hurting or damaged or destroyed, I'm praying that you would do a work beyond what we see. Even though the world would say it's destroyed, God, we believe that you can make all things new. God, I pray especially today for those who need your presence, need your comfort, need your goodness. God, we thank you that you're here. And God, you are the one who makes all things new. As I shared that story of the Nicodemus, God, I what you've got is this very moral person who's coming to your son Jesus and he's saying, tell me what I need to do. What do I need to know? 
I mean, he had a lot of good religious behavior. He was a good old boy. But Jesus said the same thing to him that he would say to all of us. He said, to be a part of the kingdom, to be a part of my family, you're not going to be able to work your way there. You're not going to be able to give your way there. You're going to have to experience a new birth. You need to be spiritually born again. And you can be born one time. God, you can, we can be born physically. But if we're born one time, we actually will die two times. That's what your Bible teaches. We'll die a physical death, then ultimately we'll die a spiritual death. But the good news is that we can be born twice, only to die once. As my dear friend Ken Rhodes would always say. Then you only die one time. Because we die a physical death, but spiritually we'll live forever and be with you forever in heaven. Perhaps, God, there are those here today who are just saying, you know, I'm disappointed in my behavior. I know I act in ways that I shouldn't. I've not been pleasing to God. And the reality is all of us, because we're bent towards sin, have that struggle. It's not a laughing matter. It's very serious. And our sin keeps us separated from you. God, are there some who would say today, I recognize I need you in my life. I recognize I'm a sinner. I want to be born anew. I want to spiritually be forgiven. I want to be transformed and made new by Christ. And today, by faith, I want to give my life to you. God, would they let me know? Would they let us know so that we can study with them? Help them be more prepared in making that decision. I don't know where they are. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what their struggles are. But you do. Will we surrender? Will we surrender? In Jesus' name. Amen. Hymn of invitation. Respond if God's moving in your heart to do so. So we stand and sing.